pleasant, pleasant good morning to each of you today. So good to see each of you. Kind of look around a little bit and uh, see if I can remember some of these names that I've heard throughout my time here. And I don't remember any of them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for having me, uh, Heath, and um, all the, the elders here. I want to say thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to speak before you. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time in my little um, introduction here of uh, thanking you all for having me. But I do want to, first of all, say happy Father's Day. Can we give it up for the fathers real quick? <laughs> Woo! Yes, all of the fathers that are waiting for their wives to have their babies, praise the Lord, praying for you. I myself am not a father yet. Uh, my wife and I, we've been married 19 years, and so we've started the process of doing a um, foster to adopt process. And so planning the church, looking to foster to adopt, oh, my gosh, it's, a lot, <laughs> it's crazy, right? But uh, it's, you know, the journey is it's just beautiful, and uh, I'm just so grateful to the Lord uh, for all that he's doing. My wife, I want to honor her in her absence. We are doing home small groups, and uh, we're having one going on right now. And uh, so one of the elders at our church is uh, leading that. And so uh, she felt a little weird of leaving the home with somebody else there. So I said, well, okay, baby. So she may come next week if she builds up the courage. Praise the Lord. Uh, so anyhow, uh, again, I don't want to take a whole lot of time. I want to be time conscious because um, I can be a long-winded guy. And, uh, and so actually I want to say thank you to Heath. Heath was a part of the uh, process of, of me being a part of the Houston Church Planning Network. I actually interviewed with Heath, and, and so he listened to one of my messages, and he said, Terrence, I noticed your message was like 90 minutes long. <laughs> it's like, man, brother, do you preach every Sunday that long? I was just like, nah, you know, I don't know. And so he gave me a really good piece of advice, and he was just like, you know what, you're going to have to chop some of that off. You have to cut some of that off and give the people an opportunity to feed themselves, brother. And so, man, I just want to salute you, man. Uh, my people over there, thank you as well, you know. <laughs> yes, they are like, thank you, whoever you random dude is who told Terrence the truth, praise the Lord. Okay, all right. So with that being said, like I said, I, I want to get right into the Word, and, uh, and so I'm just excited to be here uh, today. And, and uh, if you wouldn't mind, let, let me say a word of prayer, please. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to, God, just be here and assemble in your presence. God, your Word tells us that where the presence of the Lord is, there's liberty. And so, God, we know that you are here. You say where there are two or three gathered together in your name, you promised that you would be in the midst. And so we thank you, Father. We honor your presence today, and we just ask that you would speak. Lord, I'm just a vessel. I ask that you would address needs and concerns that are represented here today. And, and Lord, we thank you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. We thank you for this beautiful church, Lord, the bridge. Lord, and we just speak continued favor and blessings on this ministry. God, on the leadership team here and all those that God are working behind the scenes to ensure that you get the glory and the honor. 
We thank you today. We give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, all right. So uh, I, I want to warn you ahead of time that I can be a little animated. I can, I can kind of scream a little bit, so I don't want to, to frighten anyone. Say, oh, my gosh, this guy's up there screaming. So I'm just giving you a warning ahead of time. Okay, so um, over the last few weeks, uh, my cohort, Calvin, has been speaking, as you know, uh, from the book of Titus, and he has been uh, taking us through this journey. And so I want to take the next couple of weeks and really put some emphasis on some things that I believe are found in the Word of God. But before we get into the scripture today, I want to I remind you of something. I want to take you back a little bit of when you went and applied for a job. You applied for a job, and while you were applying for this job, you looked at the job description, and you looked at the qualifications, and, and then, oh my gosh, you applied for that job. And man, lo and behold, when they called you, you were excited. You were thrilled. And so when you, in the interview, you got a chance to share with them who you are and, and to give them a sense of the kind of person that you'll be. And man, they hire you, and wow, this is amazing. I'm working, I'm getting paid for something that I, man, that I do. And as you imagine that time when you applied for a job and got that job, I want to now tell you a story about one of my favorite sitcoms, uh, this guy by the name of Seinfeld. I, I, I don't anybody here a, a Seinfeld, um, maybe back in the day? Uh, yes, so I, I got a few witnesses here today. I'm glad. I was wondering. I didn't know because uh, I've tried that before, and people are like, I've never watched Seinfeld a day. <laughs> I'm not interested in Seinfeld. So I'm so glad. So episode eight, season episode, season eight, episode three, there was this situation that happened where Kramer is walking through the hall way of this uh, professional building, and he bumps into this guy. He helps the guy and ends up getting drafted into this, this work meeting. Do y'all remember that? <laughs> and so Kramer is sitting in this job, uh, on, in this meeting, and he's like, people think he works there, and he just embraces it, as Kramer would do, right? You know, he embraces it, right? <laughs> right? And so he's like, all of a sudden, like this honorary worker, unbeknownst to other, other people. And so over the time of him working, they show him uh, like doing random things. Like he's sitting in the break room with his feet propped up eating crackers, or he's at the water cooler, he's shining his shoes. He's doing everything but work. <laughs> and so finally, Jerry asked him, hey, I heard you got a job, and what do you do? And Kramer says, well, you know, TCB. And, and he says, what? taking care of business. Right? So Kramer has this job that he doesn't qualify for, and he, he's not even working. And finally, by the end of the show, he is fired from a job that he actually is not even working on. And it's, it's so comical to me because, you know, I think in terms of work that I have personally been a part of and how when I started working, uh, there were times in my career that I started to lose sight of what I was there for. I started to stop appreciating that job. I, I stopped thinking about how wonderful of a privilege it was. And so I found myself maybe slacking off a little bit, maybe taking a little extra break or taking extra five minutes. And I know I'm the only one 
that, that have ever done that. <laughs> but, you know, in terms of a secular job or an occupation, that's something that I have been guilty of. But today we're going to be talking not about that issue in our occupation, but that issue that comes up in our vocation. And when I say vocation, what I mean is that calling, that assignment that God has called you to do. You see, your occupation is what you get paid to do, but your vocation is what you're called to do. And so Paul, just to remind us of what happened in Titus, uh, Paul was writing a letter to a guy by the name of Titus. And, and the reason that Paul was writing this letter is he left this man named Titus in this town called Crete to do a great work. And the work that Paul was calling Titus to do was to set things in order. And he says in Titus chapter 1, he says, hey, listen, Titus, the reason I'm, I've let you, left you there in Crete is to set things in order. And so Paul instructs Titus on how to do that. Just a quick recap. He, number one, he says, listen, Titus, you must appoint leaders, and not just any kind of leaders, but leaders who, will, who are qualified to carry on the great work. Leaders who are willing to stand up for sound doctrine. And he says this. He says, I want you... in." Titus chapter 1, he says, I want you to do this. I want you to make sure that the leaders are in a position where they maintain sound doctrine. And, and I want to uh, establish something before I go too far as it relates to sound doctrine. When he uses the word sound, I want to call attention to something because it's going to be very important as I make my case today. And here's, here's what the word sound means. The word sound comes from a, the Greek word, and I don't want to make it all intellectual today, but it's a Greek word, hujiaino. Uh, and there's an important reason I'm mentioning that, because hujiaino is where we get our term hygiene from. So the word uh, sound means healthy, and our word hygiene means practices that maintain good health. So, for example, if you have someone that sneezes into their hand and they go to shake your hand, what do you do? Well, I've been in a situation where someone was sneezing and coughing and I watched them go around and shake people's hands, you know. And when they got to me, I said, nope, I'm not shaking your hand. I'm sorry, because I saw what you did. <laughs> One day I was at Chipotle and, and there was a lady that, that, that was fixing the food and she had her little gloves on and everything. It was great. And so when she got to me, there was some sour cream that fell on the counter. She cleaned it up with her gloves, took her apron, wiped it off. And then she said, what would you like? I said, nothing with those gloves on, right? <laughs> because I'm conscientious about soundness. Or I'm conscientious about health, things that promote good health. And so what Paul is telling Titus is, hey, listen, I want you to appoint leaders, but not just any kind of leaders, but leaders who will promote sound doctrine or healthy doctrine. Why? Because just the same way with any other type of sickness in the natural, so can there be a sickness that spread in a spiritual sense. And that's essentially what has happened in this church, in these group of house churches, is that there's this way of thinking, this activity or behavior that begin to spread throughout the body 
that begin to cause an infection. And so Paul says, listen, I need to set things in order. And the way you do that, just start with leaders who are going to be sound in doctrine, sound in teaching, sound in the faith, sound in endurance and love. And then he says this. He says, I want you to preach the gospel of grace. So the other step that we're going to focus on today that Paul asked Titus to do in order to set order in the church, one was to make sure that there was soundness, and the other one is that people should operate in good works. Now, so that I don't want to go any further without making sure I make something very, very, very clear. And here's why. Because we don't want to get caught up into thinking that our good works is what causes us to be saved. Because it's not. It's like that example that I gave with applying for a job. You're not working so that you can get the job. No. You are working because you have the job. Jesus has already done the work. See, the way we get access to a job is that it's our qualifications. So the work that Paul is talking about here is not a work that's unto salvation, but it's a work that's as a result of the salvation. And I'm going to unpack that here in a few minutes. So in Titus chapter 3, verse 1, this is what Paul tells um, this is what Paul tells Titus to, to do. He says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Paul uses the word good work or work seven times in this letter, four times in this chapter alone. So he's putting a heavy emphasis on the work. He used the word that I mentioned earlier, sound. He used that word four times in this letter. And so he has this, these two bookends, if you will. He says, hey, listen, there must be soundness of doctrine, but there also should be this, this work that's being done. Okay, so with that being said, notice what he says. Remind them to be submissive. Remind who? Remind the people that are in leadership, remind the people that are in the body, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. And I want to make a statement here. It's very important that as Christians, people who are seeking to live a godly life, we are expected to live by the rules, by, by the, the expectations of our uh, society. Unless the only time we, there's a violation of that is if there is something that is, uh, we're asked to do something that is against our conviction in Christ. But we are expected to obey the laws of the land. And that's just a reminder, a friendly reminder, when we're driving down the highway, driving 75 and the speed limit is 65, the expectation is that we <laughs> obey the laws of the land. So, and he says to be obedient and to be ready for every good work. The word ready carries the idea of it being on the forefront of our hearts so that when we wake up in the morning, what we want to do is we want to be ready to do a good work for the Lord. We want to wake up in the morning saying, God, what would you have me to do? See, because Paul is addressing something that all of us deal with, what I like to call the human condition. We lose sight sometimes of God's goodness towards us. 
The same way that we lose sight of the, the blessing that this job was when we first got the job. It's amazing. I've been in uh, leadership for years and have done many interviews and have led teams in corporate America. And it's so funny to me how uh, I, I can replay when someone says, when, when I think about someone when they're, they're first starting the job. They're in the interview, and they're like, man, I can't wait to work with you guys, man. I'll do anything it takes, man. I'm, I'm motivated. I'm excited. Yeah, man. And then a few months later, the same job that they said was a blessing, they're trying to find a way to get another job <laughs> because they have lost sight of how special this job was. Because I'm amazed that the same job that we are complaining about is a job that someone else is praying about wanting that job. And so Paul is teaching, hey, listen, be ready for every good work. The second verse says this, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. I want to say this, and I want to say it plain and clear. We have to be so on guard with our mouths. I have seen so often times that we can become uh, we can stir up, a, stir up a situation or a congregation just with our mouths, and we want to be intentional not to say negative things about one another, not to speak evil about one another, but that we should seek, seek to let our words be seasoned with grace. And I always like to say, if you are not willing for your words to show up on Yahoo tomorrow morning, then don't say it, right? If you don't want your words to be replayed then don't say it. Be intentional about guarding your words, your mouth. This is why Paul says, don't, to speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling. And notice what he says, toward all people. Because some, so often we say, well, I speak evil of them because they spoke evil of me. Well, no, that's not what the Bible is teaching, right? The Bible is teaching us, us this. Live peaceably with everyone, especially your brothers and your sisters. Verse 3 tells us this. He says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Paul is creating this, 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 this divide between who I used to be and who I am now. And I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I'll sit back and I'll think about the things that God has brought me out of the things that I used to do, the places that I used to go, the ways that I used to act. Am I the only one here today that when you look back over some of the things that you've done in your life, oh, man, it just makes you feel sad. It just, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I acted like that. I can't believe I did that. Well, Paul is showing that, look, remind yourself of the goodness of the Lord. Remind yourself. Use it like a rearview mirror, Right? Not looking back while you're driving. If you don't do that, right? Because if you're looking back while you're driving, you're going to create a hazard, right? But there should be some awareness of your past. Not to make yourself feel bad, but to give you a sense that, God, thank you for where you brought me out. Can we just for a moment say, Lord, thank you? Come on. Come on. Let me, let, let me hear you. Lord, thank you. Yes, yes, thank you, Lord, from where you brought me from. There were ways that I used to think that I don't think like that anymore. There are things that I used to say, and I don't say those kind of things anymore. There's ways that I used to act, and I'm so glad that I don't act that way anymore. Why? Because it's evidence of a change that's happening in my life. 
I was noticing the bridge and, and some of your, your values and how you value transformation. And you know what? That's what we want. Yeah, we, we want to be transformed. We, we want to be, we want to see progress. We want to see ourselves growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And so Paul says, here, listen, we ourselves were once foolish. Yeah, we, we, we were not good, good people. But notice what he says in verse 4. But when, and if I was going to preach today, I'd just preach on the word but, y'all. <laughs> Glory to God. Because the word but carries the idea that everything else that was mentioned before has been washed away. And I want to tell you something that if you give your life to Jesus today, if you are not a Jesus follower, if you, if you have not surrendered your life to him, I want you to know something, that he has the power to forgive you, hallelujah, of all of your sins, to wash them all away, not because of your good works, but because of his goodness. Man, this is why Paul says, listen, <laughs> he says, we were once foolish. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, wow, he saved us. Not because of works done in righteousness. You see, our righteousness, the Bible teaches, is filthy rags. It has no weight. It has no value. And so often when people are confronted with the cross to give their lives to Christ, this is one of the things that they'll say is that I am a good person. I'm not as bad as that person. Because here's the thing. We often govern ourselves or we often measure our standard of righteousness based on someone else. But God says don't measure your righteousness by the standard of others. Measure your righteousness by my standard. And when you measure your righteousness by the standard of Jesus, we cannot compare. This is when we say, you know what? My righteousness is just filthy rags. So, Jesus, I want your righteousness because Jesus satisfied the Father completely. He lived a holy life, pure, clean, no sin, to die on the cross for our sin. And this is why the scripture teaches us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 that God made him who knew no sin to be sin that I, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What does that tell us? That there's nothing we can do to earn God's goodness or his favor or his righteousness. It's simply that we have to receive it. We have children that they didn't do a single thing to earn our love for them. We have a heavenly father that says, you don't have to do a single thing to earn my love for you. I love you as much as I ever will. There's nothing you can say, nothing you can do, nothing you can think that can change how I feel about you. Now, the reality, the weight, the beauty of that truth, here's what Paul is telling us, that we now live out of that space. 
When we give our lives to Christ and we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, now there's a work that we have. And that work is to live out what we believe. Yesterday, my, um, I, I decided to uh, wash my car. I started washing my car, and as I started washing my car, my wife came out and she was looking. So I knew what that meant. <laughs> wash hers too, right? <laughs> so, so after I got done, I started washing her car. And my mom, she stays with us, and my mom came outside. And, and guess what I did? I started washing, <laughs> I started washing her car. And, and, I, and I washed three cars yesterday. I felt like I was... I was working, man. <laughs> you know, I feel like I was at the at Split Splash working, you know, looking for tips, praise God. You know, you know. and, and as, as, as I got done, I, you know, my, my mom came outside and she said, you know how a person knows that they are loved when someone will do something for them? And my mom says, I want to pay. I want to give you this. I'm not paying you. I said, Mom, no. And she said, before she even, before I can try to argue with it, she said, look, now look. <laughs> she, <laughs> see, if you've ever had an experience with a black mom, uh, nah, I, shut it up. <laughs> I'm a grown man, but uh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> so mom, mom said, now look, this is not a payment for what you have done, but this is it's an expression of my appreciation because I was going to go and pay the car wash guy the money. So I just want to give you this as an expression of my appreciation. Now, did I wash her car with the mind that when I get done, she was going to pay me? No, I washed her car because I love my mom. And so Paul is teaching. Here's what I'm claiming today. When we live with the reality of God's goodness at the forefront of our hearts and our minds, it'll drive us to say, God, what can I do as an expression of my appreciation for all that you've done? And I think what happens is that we, we often just lose sight of God's goodness. And, and so we stop being intentional about doing good work. Because Paul is saying, listen, hey, we must have leaders in the church who are sound in doctrine, who maintain good health and practice. But on the other side of that, we need people that are conscientious and intentional, devoted to doing good works. Not because they're trying to earn their salvation, but because they are living from this space of gratitude and thanksgiving. So Paul, he illustrates this. He says, listen, verse 5, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you what Paul is he is exclaiming here what Paul is saying is that because we have been renewed, because there's been regeneration, we become new creations in Christ. You know what? That fosters new works. Because when I was a sinner, far from the peace of God, there were certain things that I did not because I was trying to be a sinner, there were just certain things that I did because that's who I was. And so what Paul is saying is this. He says, now you have been made a new creation. As a result of being a new person, guess what? There will be new 
works. The works, Jesus created us so that we can do good works. The scripture teaches us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, it says, By grace you have been saved, not of works, lest any man should boast, right? Because if it was because of my good works, you know, I, I, I just, I tell you what I've done. You know, I'll come up in here today. Y'all, you know, I just want y'all to know that, um, you know, I've been a Christian a long time. And <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm a pretty good guy. <laughs> no, no. You know, uh, earlier this week, man, I saw a guy on the street uh, <laughs> that, that was hungry. Guess what I did, y'all? I fed him. <laughs> Hold your applause. <laughs> Not only that, but uh, le- last week uh, I tithed. Uh, all, all that I have, yes, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and as a result of, of, of the good person that I am, I, I took my wife out on, on a date, and oh boy, you should have seen her, she was, yeah, I know, I know, I, I, I'm the man, TCB, baby, taking care of business, right, <laughs> taking care of my business, the problem with that attitude is that now I get the glory, And I don't have the power to save those that are observing my good works. And so Jesus teaches us this in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. This is what Jesus teaches. Jesus says, when you become a new person, oh, man, things change. He said, you're going to be like a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. He says, you're going to let your light so shine before men That they're going to see your good works and they're going to give you all the glory. I saw a few head shakes. No, you missed that one, buddy. You're right. I believe it says they'll see your good works, but they'll glorify God. Right? Because if, if I can be at a space where I'm always thinking about the goodness of the Lord and how good God has been to me, then it'll cause me to be a person that's on assignment for God. You see, the issue that Kramer had is that he was working, but he he wasn't serving a purpose, right? He he didn't have a job that he was carrying out. See, when you go and you apply for a job and you look at the job description, you're looking at that because what you're intuitively asking yourself, is this a job that I can do? And what God is telling us today is this. I, Jesus has, you, you didn't, first of all, you didn't qualify for the job, buddy. Because if, if we looked at your resume, <laughs> oh, man, sinner. <laughs> man, you, hey, look at you. Look at the way you think. Look at the way you act. Look at the way you talk. But you know what? I'm so glad that God didn't let that stop what he had in store for me. Because the scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died on our behalf. And so when Jesus died, he qualified us. So his qualifications got us the job. And now when he's saying, my spirit in you will help you do the job, right? So notice, as I hurry to a close, 
He says, whom, verse 6, he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Verse 7, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I love this word. The word justified means declared righteous. That means that it wasn't my good works that God declared me righteous. It wasn't my my good behavior that God declared me righteous. He called me righteous because of the righteousness that's in Jesus Christ. I love the fact that Jesus loves us so deeply and so richly that he will lay his life down for us. And now what the writer here is telling us is that as a result of who we are in Christ, we do good works. If, if I had to give you a big idea today, here, here's the big idea that I would say. We remember to do good works when we reflect on the good work that's done in us. We remember to do good work when we reflect on the good work that's done in us. See, w- when I take the time, when I wake up in the morning, one of the first things that I should do is reflect on the good work that Jesus is doing in me. I should maybe wake up with a, with a burning question, uh, the burning thought of, Lord, what is it that you are doing in me? Because you see, the work of righteousness doesn't stop because I'm a believer, right? It, you know, we are constantly being rejuvenated and regenerated. There's some things changing. So not only am I asking the question, God, what are you doing in me? But I'm also asking the question, God, what are you doing through me today? How do you want me to help somebody? And before you think to yourself that I can't, I don't, I'm not able, before you think yourself, think that about yourself. Let me tell you, there's something in you that you don't even know about yet that's being revealed the deeper you get to know Jesus the deeper, the closer you get to know who he is in your life, there are things you're going to see that you didn't even know was there. So the prayer is, God, what are you doing in me so that I can know what do you want to do through me? Because how God works through me may not be the same way how he works through you. And there's a little poem that I, I love. It says this, I can't do everything but still I can do something and I won't allow what I can't do keep me from doing what I can do. So I might not be able to sing like Andy. (laughs) I might not be able to play the keys like John. (laughs) I might not be able to preach like Pastor Heath, but you know what? I can do something. And what is it that God wants to do through me? Well, a good hint is what he's doing in you. Because what he's doing in you, and these are things that maybe other people don't know about. Maybe he's teaching you the reality of being kind to that boss that you just can't stand. Maybe he's teaching you how to be a better father because your father wasn't around. Maybe he's teaching you how to, how to be willing to be a submissive wife when you have never seen submissive women in your family. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait. 
don't want any tomatoes thrown up here. Pra- pra- praise the Lord. <laughs> but here, here's my point. Here's my point. When we reflect on what God is doing in us, it causes us to ask the same question that the psalmist asked. What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his many There are some mornings that I wake up and I just, I'm overwhelmed by the, the reckless love of God. And I can't believe that he would be willing to use someone like me. I'm wrecked by it. I'm amazed by it. I can't believe that, God, you would use me. And God says, listen, I I'm doing a work in you so that I could do a work through you. What is the work? What is the work that God has called you to do? What what is the work? I heard a story about a little boy that was walking along the beach, and there were thousands upon thousands of starfish lining the shores, and and he was walking up, and he was picking up the little starfish, and he was throwing them in the water. And a little man walked up and said, son, what are you doing? And he said, I'm saving the starfish, sir. And he picked up another, and he threw it in the water. And the man said, you can't make a difference. It doesn't matter what you're doing. And he picked up another starfish, and he tossed it. And he said, but it mattered to him. You see, there's a work that God has for you to do, and it may seem so minor and insignificant, but here's what I'm claiming today. When I reflect on the goodness of what God has done in me, it'll drive me to look to see how can I be a blessing to someone else. Verse 7 tells us, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Verse 8, the same is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. What What I'm challenging the family of God today to do is let's devote ourselves to good works. Let it be on the forefront of our minds that the moment we wake up, we don't grab our phone and see who liked our pictures from yesterday, right? Or, or oh man, I've got to jump and get up and get the kids ready. Maybe I should take a moment and consider, Lord, what are you doing in me? And what are you doing through me? Today, Lord, I devote myself to good works. I devote myself to reflect on the good work that you've done in me. My mom bought this fireplace that she told me wasn't going to take a lot to put together. She said, baby, it's only three parts. It's just three parts. 
So I, I <laughs> opened the fireplace up. It was three boxes, but it was not three parts. It, it's many pieces. And so I, I opened up the box painstakingly and begrudgingly. I'm looking at her. No, yeah, I'm good. I'm <laughs> said, I opened the box up and I'm flinging it around. My attitude's bad. I'm, I'm not happy about this. I'm a pastor. I'm not a, not a project guy. You know. <laughs> I'm above this, <laughs> but I'm doing this, this work, right? I don't know if it's good yet, but it's a work, right? And so I'm putting together this, this thing, and I'm putting it together. I'm identifying all the pieces, and it's kind of starting to flow, and I'm kind of feeling my man mojo, right? I'm kind of like, okay, all right, I got this. That's right. Ah, man, right? I'm putting this together, right? So I'm putting it together, and I'm putting it all together. I'm, I'm screwing, man. I'm, mm, man, I'm handling, handling business. TB. Yeah. TCB, amen. <laughs> Nobody wants to help me. Nobody wants to help me. Praise God. <laughs> so I'm, I'm taking care of business here, right? Putting this thing together in. And, uh, man, I discover <laughs> God's worst nightmare missing parts. And, w- and what trips me out, though, is that when I look at the instructions, they said, in the event that you have parts that are missing, Call this number. So I, I call a number. I'm mad now, right? I'm mad. This, is, this assignment is from the devil. <laughs> so I call a lady. I'm trying to maintain my composure. I'm trying to let my light, praise the Lord, shine mm. before men. Because I am the light, right? I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. Okay, okay, Lord, I'm, let me just get myself together. Okay, yes, ma'am, hi. Uh, I bought this product. Uh, it's missing pieces. She says, well, what's the, what's the model number? I tell her the model number. She says, oh, sir, I'm so sorry. That was a fire. Yeah, the factory where we make this product burned down. I'm like, that is the most unlikeliest of stories. <laughs> but I become sensitive now because I believe that God is trying to speak to me through this little small experience. And so, so I said, okay, okay, what am I supposed to do now? So I go, to, she got it from um, one of the little stores. And so I go to the store. And I tell them, look, this, this box that I bought is missing pieces. What do we need to do? And the person said, well, I'll tell you what. Let's make it easy. Hey, we'll give you the part. Find it. We'll give it to you. I'm like, great. So I get home. I get back to the church, and I'm putting together this, this, this fireplace. And then the Spirit of God began to speak to me. He said, you know, that part that seems so small, <laughs> so insignificant, you couldn't move forward without handing so you may be sitting here today thinking, I, I, what can I do? I don't have a whole lot of skill, or I'm not very religious, or I, don't, I just came, it to, came to Christ, or I don't know. Let me tell you, you matter more than what you realize. And I want to extend the opportunity today to be a part of God's workmanship. Because you know what? We've been created in Christ for good works. I want to extend the invitation to you today. If you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life, give him your life. Surrender. You may not understand it all, but I want to invite you to surrender. And if you are a Christian and you're growing in your faith, but you're not actively and intentionally devoting yourself 
to the good work that God has created you for. I want to challenge you to surrender. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word. Our desire, Lord, is to not just be hearers only, but doers of your word. And so, God, we pray that, Lord, that we would devote ourselves to good work. We pray, God, that we would be ever so mindful of the work that you want to do through us. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.